Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Election College, episode number 223, Jane Pierce. Jason, let me tell you what, if you thought we had a depressing episode last time, you're in for a real treat because here we come with the most depressing episode of all. We're going to talk about Jane Pierce and the election and subsequent inauguration and following presidency of Franklin Pierce and his wife, Jane. Oh, dear. Yeah, it gets bad. And I mean, it's important to talk about because it's part of our history, but... It's certainly not fun. Yeah. Maybe we should start with some inspirational quotes or something like that, because the Pierce administration is just really sad. Um, how about this? Okay. Hey, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, you are hanging in there with us. And you're awesome, and we love you for it. Nice. I like it. You like that? How about this? The universe is conspiring. There is a conspiracy. A conspiracy. And the conspiracy is is that the universe is working in your favor. I like it. I have a I have an inspirational uh, quote. You like that? Uh, I found this on Google just now. Okay. Never let anyone treat you like a yellow starburst. You are a pink starburst. Oh man, that is so true. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Man, hey Ben. Yeah, you raise me up. I think you might have stolen that from a, a prolific singer. Oh, yeah. You're the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> okay, so Jane Pierce. Let's go back to the beginning. She was born in Hampton, New Hampshire, and she is the daughter of a reverend, Jesse Appleton. Uh, he's a minister at a Congregationalist church, and her mother is Elizabeth. And Jane, uh, at a young age and at an older age, was kind of petite, rather frail, a bit shy, and of course, melancholy. Yeah, so there were six children born to the Appleton family, and Jane was smack dab there in the middle. She was the third of six children. So her dad is the president of Bowdoin College, and he dies. And this happens right before her future husband, Franklin, enrolls. And she, at the age of 13, moves into the mansion of her wealthy grandparents, her mom's parents in Amherst. So she's going to school in Keene, New Hampshire, which, by the way, Keene is a lovely city. I once got stranded there because my airline went out of business. Um <laughs> tell you that story someday (laughs) but um that's where jane was from so jane was as uh, you said a little bit earlier ben she was pretty slight and in stature she was only about five four and weighed only about 100 pounds so i don't know if they had scales back then like she was the type of person that you didn't want to guard i think about i'm kind of of a larger stature and in elementary school I used to hate guarding 
kids who look like they were skin and bones <laughs> during basketball games because I was afraid I was going to break uh-huh. them. And Jane seems like she was the type that would be very breakable. That's possible. Yeah. So Jason, it's kind of it's kind of weird because I would love to do a study on like the structural integrity of our bodies and how people's bodies were formed, you know, even a few hundred years ago as compared to now, because I was at James Monroe's house, uh, or at least the property he lived on at Ash Highland, and they had actual dresses that Elizabeth would have worn and, or did wear, and they are so tiny. Like, it looks like a, a small girl, like a you know, what we would say, maybe like a 10 or 12 year old girl would wear it now. Uh, it's just amazing how small in stature. And then I saw uh, another couple dresses from that time period. And I'm like, I know that these were smaller ladies, but I didn't expect them to be like that small. Like uh, even the spots where their arm, you know, their sleeves were very incredibly. My wife, who is very slender was like i don't understand how that happened how these people were that small uh so that'd be an interesting study i've never i'm sure there's people out there who know but i've just never looked at how our our bodies have changed over the last 300 years yeah one time so we were at uh, john wesley's house Uh in england and (laughs) uh my wife actually took a picture of me next to the mannequin that was the same size as John uh-huh. Wesley. And I look like I could just totally just flick him in the head and he'd fall <laughs> over. And yeah. He's very, very, very slight. And get this, he spoke to thousands of people. Like that yeah. little man could speak to that. But then they have like a life-size statue at Monticello of Thomas Jefferson. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a big dude. He's tall couple inches taller than me yeah yeah who knows man and abraham yep. lincoln dude i didn't realize that that was a life-size depiction of him at the lincoln memorial <laughs> man earthquake every time he walked I yeah think. man so Bowden, that is where pierce went to school franklin pierce that is and we don't know exactly how jane and franklin met but we do know that jane's brother-in-law was one of Franklin's instructors at Bowdoin, and it's entirely possible that they met that way. Uh, They got married at about age, Franklin was about 30, Jane was about 28, and they got married at her grandparents' home in Amherst, New Hampshire. And Jane's whole family is like, no, um, he's into politics. We don't really want you to get into politics. Just stay out of it, please. Yeah, and if you're going to marry a politician where else better to honeymoon than near washington dc and that's what they did how'd you like that segue i like that uh so they honeymooned for six days at the boarding house of sophia sothart or is it southhart i don't know but that just brings back all these images in my brain of staying at a bed and breakfast which for me, staying out of bed and breakfast just totally seems dainty <laughs> to me. And like, I'm going to break some yeah. china if I stay there. But that's what they did. I'm sure it was pretty fancy. I would have rather stayed at the Holiday Inn or somewhere. Understood. Yeah. Anyway, uh, two years later, a son is born into the home, uh, Franklin Jr. He only lives three days. And Franklin uh, Pierce was a member of the U.S. House 
um, by the time they got married and just a year after their son um, was born and then passed away uh, he became a senator yeah so jane at this point is like i never wanted to be a politician's wife now i am she hates washington dc as many people hated washington dc during this time it's not what washington dc is today and even at this point in history and in the 1830s it's still not quite the uh, metropolis we see it as now so she is like encouraging him to resign his senate seat let's go back to new hampshire and he goes okay let's do it in 1842 they go back to new hampshire he resigns his senate seat and then she starts blaming him for everything that's wrong in their life um they you know politics is bad her family was against politics uh she knew he had political ambitions but still married him and um yeah it's it's interesting i'm sure it was a, a trying time in their marriage yeah so franklin goes off and serves in the mexican american war uh, he becomes a brigadier general returns home he's a hero and they kind of chill out a little bit for four years they live in concord new hampshire so it was during this time that their son frank uh, passes away from typhus and this leads to a lot more stress for everyone and especially for jane uh, actually leads to more um, mental health issues as well as physical health issues uh, for her and uh, a few years after that, in 1842, President James Polk calls up and says, Hey, Franklin, uh, you want to be the U.S. attorney? And Jane says, No, you better not. And Franklin says, Nope. And he turns down a Senate seat as well as the governorship of New Hampshire uh, because of issues dealing with Jane not wanting him uh, to take those positions. That's crazy, yeah. It, it apparently wore off because in 1852, the Democratic Party was like, hey, Franklin, you're going to be our candidate. And whenever that happened, Jane actually was so dismayed, she fainted from hearing that news. So he takes her back to Newport to get some rest, and their son, who's 11 years old, writes to her and says, quote, I hope he won't be elected, for I should not like to be at Washington, and I know you would not either, end quote. But, of course... Um, the president or the president-elect convinced Jane that, hey, this might actually really help our son Ben out. He might really be successful because of this. It might open up opportunities for them. Uh, so, you know, it, it was kind of a, okay, well, that's the way it's going to be. So I guess we're going to Washington. Yeah. Um, you can imagine how much of a rift that would have caused in the relationship where, um, Franklin's ambitions took precedence over his wife's wishes. And um, she definitely preferred that private life. And here she is opposing his decision to run for president. And, well, just a little while before the inauguration, and actually on the way to the inauguration, they're on a train, uh, Benny and his parents, Franklin and Jane, and there is an accident that we've talked about where Benny was tragically killed, and both Jane and Franklin saw everything. 
Um, I guess that's the best way to put it. They saw everything. Um, and Jane is like, this is God punishing us because Franklin is going after these political ambitions. Yeah, and so during the inauguration and everything, Jane was not there. She doesn't really come around very much while her husband is president. And you can imagine that both of them, but especially Jane, are never really going to recover because of this tragedy that happened. And um, it becomes, obviously it's national news, but it also becomes well known that, yeah, she doesn't come around because of this incident and she blames him for it. So for a few years, she ends up living upstairs in the living quarters of the White House. And actually they say she wrote a lot of letters to her dead son. And so that may have been her way of coping with the situation that she was able to uh, write some letters that, you know, she was addressing or at least uh, feeling like they, they were, she was talking to her son. And I do need to correct myself, Ben, and everybody. I said on the way to the inauguration, it was actually between the election and the actual inauguration. The accident happened in January. Um, so the inauguration happened in right. March. Anyway, um, so she leaves a lot of the business of being first lady to her aunt, who almost was like a sister to her. Um, her aunt was Abby Kent Means, uh, as well as her friend, um, Mrs. Davis, who was the wife of the War Secretary Jefferson Davis, uh, Verena Davis. And um, she did make, um, Jane Pierce did make her first official appearance as a First Lady at a New Year's Day reception in 1855. And occasionally she would come and, and serve as hostess, but... Um, Tragically, all these events of her life have um, really diminished her role uh, there in the daily life of the White House. Yeah, she passes away. She dies of tuberculosis on December 2nd, 1863, much after the term uh, that Franklin served, and is buried at the Old North Cemetery in Concord, New Hampshire. And, uh, of course, that's where Franklin is buried as well uh, once he died. So just... um... Just the disposition of Mrs. Pierce, uh, I guess just people kind of have that awkward feeling around her, um, and understanding, understandably so. Yeah. And um, what more can you say? Yeah, I mean, she was kind of a somber lady before all this tragedy struck, so you can only imagine that it would get worse after these things. Um, it's got to be rough. So the Pierce um, administration, just about everything about it is kind of a bad thing. <laughs> um, you know, Franklin Pierce was sought as the Democrats' answer to unifying the National Party. Uh, you had the issues of slavery going on and, um, you know, what are we going to do about that? And uh turns out that, well, you could probably blame Pierce for kind of getting the nation in the mess of the Civil War. Yeah. And I know this is an episode about Jane, but it is interesting to wonder for Franklin. Yeah, he goes down as a bad president. I wonder how much of his, how many of his bad decisions were due to 
the stressed relationship between he and his wife and the death of his all of his sons and those kind of things like you have to imagine that those things play a role in everything you do whether it's personal or on a national level i mean you can't avoid the um the impact those have on someone so it's just really it'd be it's an interesting case study i think yeah and the democratic party says uh Sorry, not sorry. We don't want you to be our nominee. Yeah. Hey, well, we want you to be our nominee, and you're our nominee to leave us a review. Go over to iTunes and leave us a review. It would be great if it was five stars. It would be even better if you left us a few sentences about why you like the show so that other people can see it and benefit from it. Yeah, and, you know, we're coming to a point where we're going to go back and talk more about the presidents and the vice presidents. And we'd love to hear your input. What interesting, fun things do you want to hear as we move forward? You know, we're going to be talking about the Buchanan administration, uh, the first part of next week, and then moving into uh, the Lincolns. And I have no idea uh, the chronology that we're going to take with that because (laughs) we haven't discussed that yet, but we are going to be covering a lot of interesting people that all of us know at least a few things about. So we would love to hear what you have to say over on social media. You can find us at Election College on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.